Hey everybody, my name is Doug Fine and I am the principal at Defined Performance Solutions, a consulting firm in Augusta, Georgia. And with me from Phoenix, Arizona or the Metro Phoenix area, is that what we call it, Michael? Or are you right in the heart of Phoenix? I'm in the heart of Phoenix. That's Michael Wade, everybody. Uh, my guest for today's Defined Engagement Podcast Extra. And the Extra Podcast, it, we just go into greater depth about um, a person themselves and the work that they do. And uh, again, Michael, it's just an honor to spend some time with you. You have been an inspiration to me and so many other people because of your, your platforms that we've become familiar with. And so would you mind if I just shared your bio with our listeners? Sure. Go right ahead. Fair enough. Michael Wade is the Chief Management Consultant with ExecuPundit Consulting in Phoenix, Arizona. He has advised a wide array of organizations on leadership, management, ethics, and equal opportunity issues for over 40 years. His thoughts on leadership and life can be found at the execupundant.com blog. And we're going to share those. We're going to spell them out and share them with our listeners later. But you do have two web presences, uh, a blog and, and your business web, web uh, site. So here, here might be a first question for you, Michael. Tell me about the blog. How did you get started and what, 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 motiv what motivated you back then uh, to, to start this blog, which is extremely coolly named? I. I renamed a blog after how you did yours uh, with the pundit in the end. But tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that blog. What, 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 why is it there? What, what the heck are you doing? Well, I, I had some business associates and they were saying, you know, you really should do blogging. And I didn't know that much about blogging. I, did, I had been reading a few blogs. And so I thought I would give it a try. And as you know, it can be kind of addictive. And so um, one of the things you encounter when you blog, and it's very similar to doing public speaking, is um, it, it's a great teaching device. And by teaching, mm -hmm. I mean self-teaching. And it, in fact, sometimes I advise people that if you really want to learn a subject, teach the subject. Yeah. Because then you're having to translate it into plain language. How do you really feel about this? Does this really reflect where you're going with this topic and so i'll put different observations on there it, you know it, my my particular blog is uh, you know to steal your term eclectic and that i don't just always focus on leadership or management issues because if i did i'd get really bored and uh -huh, so uh -huh. I put things down that oh i have things on you know movies and books and things of that nature and but the, the, the main idea behind it originally was get these thoughts out there and see what happens. And so it is, uh, in, in, of course, you'd like to have people visiting the blog, but I sometimes wonder if I would be writing that if I were the only person reading it, in that mm -hmm. it does force me to think things through and say, mm -hmm. where are you on this? And, and that's important because we all grow over the years. And that is a, you know, I, I knew a woman years ago who was a head resident of this one dormitory and I was the assistant head resident. This was when I was at the University of Arizona. 
And she had, and she was a real character and a very, very wise. And she told me, she said, over the years, every New Year's, I write down what I've learned. Wow. And she said, I've been doing that since the 1920s. Oh, my. And it was just like, wow, what an idea. And she said, what's interesting is I'll go back and I'll read what I wrote down before. And it gives me a chance to see how I change. Mm. And so, you know, it, it's, it's cliched to say that we're all works in progress, but we are. And so right. that's, that's one of the ideas behind the blog. So how long have you had your blog, execupundit.com? Oh, hey, uh, it, I, I should be able to rattle off the year immediately, but it's been quite a while. Yeah, I, I have been, uh, my blog has been alive. I'm not going to say alive and well. My blog has been alive for 13 years now. And you were, yours was one of the first ones, however I stumbled upon you honest to goodness, have no idea. But uh, you were there. Uh, you were there and inspired me from the very start uh, with with the quality. And, and yeah, it's just so good. So you mentioned uh, University of Arizona. Yes. And so tell me a little bit about your background. Where did you come up? Um, tell us a little bit about your journey, your personal journey with your uh, schooling, uh, your, 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 uh, family life and that kind of thing growing up and uh, what mo why why would you see that how did that all affect you what uh, the work you're doing now you know your background and 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 what you learned along the way and and what you're doing now well that's a that's a mega question because mm -hmm. um, I'm a, a native Arizonan grew up in the Phoenix area and my family been in Arizona for years my grandfather came to Arizona on a freight train when it was still a territory. And, and, and remember, Arizona only became a state in 1912. So a relatively young state, fascinating place to, to watch grow. And so grew up in the Phoenix area and a large family. Mm -hmm. And I've uh, then went down to the University of Arizona where I got degrees in government of law. I met my wife there. She's from New Jersey. She was there and, uh, at the time. And uh, uh, so we got, got married. And when I got out of law school, I went into the army. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was very unusual because I was a lieutenant in the army. Mm -hmm. And they put me in a lieutenant colonel's position. Oh, wow. and, talk and about talk, talk about uh, seeing your potential. It was very different, and so I was a, a general staff officer with the headquarters of the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command in Washington D.C. And the the CID uh, is the Army's equivalent of the FBI, and it handles serious crime within the Army, and it's worldwide. So we had people in right. Vietnam, we had people in South Korea, Germany, scattered all around. Right. And so I was in charge of handling anti-discrimination issues for the command. And I got completely hooked on management because I'd been in the adjutant general corps. And then I, I get into this very unusual position where 
the question is, if a decision is made in Washington, D.C., how is that translated by the time it reaches South Korea or Germany or wherever? And so then I, I decided, well, I really, really want to work on management issues. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I became the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Administrator for the city of Phoenix, handled discrimination issues for them. And then after seven years with Phoenix, I decided to form a consulting firm. And um, so I thought, well, this is a good time to leave the city government because I've been thinking of leaving and they'd done a report on these different departments. And my, my operation came out real well. It was kind of a glowing report. So I decided now is the time to leave. <laughs> well, then I, then it can I, only get worse from here, right? Yeah, that's right. It can only <laughs> deteriorate. And so, um, you know, you get out there and you're working with private sector, public sector clients, a variety, a real variety. And the, it is a, it's a fascinating way of kind of honing your craft. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, for example, I, I did work with Dun & Bradstreet on, on training, and, and so I was running around the country. In fact, the, I think the only, I've trained in 48 states in Puerto Rico. The only two states I haven't trained in, I think, are Wisconsin and Vermont, but I've hit all the others. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity to learn because you're talking to, the, to executives and managers and supervisors about the problems they face. And what I found to be fascinating was that if I'm talking to people in New York City or in Honolulu or Dallas, they'd have the same questions. Uh-huh. And ask them, you know, what are the pressing issues, the burning questions that brought you here? And you would get almost in the same order mm -hmm these different subjects being popped up there. And so you know, that's one of those areas where as a, as a leader, you learn to say, okay, let's focus on these key items, make sure we're squared away there. And if somebody brings up something that's a little bizarre, then it's a little bizarre. That's fine, but we focus on those core items. I'm hearing you, that's, that's brilliant that you're, the, the very experience that, that you had in going around and he hearing the same themes or issues, you mm -hmm. went, this is what they must, this is what they need to know because they're That's asking, right. right? Awesome. It's very much, you know, it, it, it's funny because I sometimes will even coach people who are uh, going in for job interviews. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I coach them, I'll put them through a mock interview. But one of the things I'll stress is don't go into the interview having prepared for some very bizarre or unusual question. Mm -hmm. Go in prepared to answer the basic questions. Because if you have to take some time to think about something that is very complicated or strange, they'll understand that. But if they say, why should we hire you? And you're staring around wondering at your answer, then that's not good news. You know, you're supposed to have those basics. Down. Yes, yes. And it's, it's very similar to what we encounter in business and in life in terms of are we paying sufficient attention to the core items? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because often we find we aren't.
we get distracted. You know, we're in a distraction society. You know, I interviewed uh, a retired Brigadier General um, last week, and he talked about blocking and tackling. Basically, you know, he, his mm -hmm. book, he, he wrote a book called Brave Leadership, et cetera, about business leadership. And, and he just said the fundamentals, you know, are so important. And I think you're saying the same thing, too, right. for leaders that you don't want to go so far. And, and that that's, might be a confession of mine. I kind of get sometimes like a little esoteric about things and leadership and uh, and and may not really be interested in the basics so much. Mm. So that's a that's a that's a challenge for me because. Well, I think that's a when you're dealing with the general. One of the items that I think that people do not talk about. I'm sure the general is very big on this. Is um, courage. Mm -hmm. And when you we. You know, when you get into the issue of, okay, you have to have openness, you have to be very candid with one another, but you also have to have the courage to speak up. You have mm -hmm. to have the courage mm -hmm. at times to say, you know, I don't really agree with that, or let me tell you why. And instead, too many times people walk out of meetings with all sorts of complaints and concerns, and they haven't surfaced them. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and here's, the, here's the real kicker on this. Stress this in, in coaching people on ethics is that if you're going to be ethical, say courageous and honest and things of that nature, you do take a risk because there are some organizations where you speak up and you will be punished. You know, they're not going to embrace you, they don't necessarily want to hear that. So you're into this issue of how do I surface this diplomatically? Oh boy. But in a clear manner and say, here are some of the things that I see as possible downsides if we do this or that. And it's not that you're saying, gee, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, even though it may be. Um, you're, you're wording it in a way that's going to get the point across. Yeah. Uh, I had a best friend at a job that I came up here to Augusta to, to fill and uh, it's always good to have a best friend at work and he came up with this term because we would talk about our culture mm -hmm. at, at the place we work and uh he came up with this line uh opi opinions are treasonous <laughs> you know you just they weren't welcome <laughs> if no. you weren't a certain if you weren't at a certain level your opinion just you know whatever mm -hmm. it is it's 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 probably different from the party line and it's going to get you Sometimes killed, you know. Like, which is which is a good sign of a dysfunctional organization. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah you see organizations <laughs> where you know they wonder why people don't speak up, and you think, well, what happens to those people who do? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you mm -hmm. know, that that's one of the tests. How candid can people be without any fear whatsoever of retaliation? Right, retribution of it. Oh boy, so. Um, do you have the opportunity in the work that you do, Michael, to uh, do some of that assessing uh, by inviting people at different levels of the organization and kind of asking that question? Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it's, it, it's good to have that opportunity. That's a data point that the leadership should know. Because mm -hmm. it, 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 anyway. um, So, 
what's a question that you you would like uh, me to ask you? Hmm. Oh, that's great. When do, when does your one man show on Broadway? No, uh, <laughs> I I have a number of questions I could probably come up there, but I'd say the the a key question that I think that we all need to consider is just you know what are some of the ground rules that you follow mm -hmm. because you know we can all study different subjects and we we tend to operate on some certain just off the cuff ground rules that are consistent and so i we we've talked about i i do i i follow the okay open honest and supportive mm -hmm. we're going to go with those values and but the other thing i've noticed is that there is a real importance for patience mm. there's an importance because we're an action-oriented culture mm -hmm. and there's an importance for that an internal analysis to say what are we doing how are we handling this i'll give you a quick example I saw a, um, I was involved with a, a board of directors and I was dealing with them and they were looking at a particular decision. And the people pushing a particular course of action, they came up with three options. Well, you know, I had to avoid kind of twitching around in the corner because the, the three option approach is, is unbelievably bad. It's usually do nothing, do a lot, do what we want. And so they'll they'll couch the one they really want in between two extremes, and and what is surprising, and I'm sure you see this as well in consulting, is that things that you kind of take as second nature, a lot of people haven't considered, and mm -hmm. it's not that they're dumb because these are bright people. It's right. There are just certain techniques that you say, you know, if you follow that, you're not going to get the best decision. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, it's important for all of us to look at the way we handle the world and say, what are these, some of the assumptions that we're following that might not really hold up? The ladder of assumptions just ends up taking us mm -hmm. to, uh, uh, taking us to a place where uh, it's going to blow up. That's right. That's so, right. you know, um, Let's talk about your books. Let's talk about maybe your last two books that you've done. And are, are there, yeah, talk about the last two books that you've, you've done. And why would, why would people want to go on Amazon.com and look up Michael Wade and the books he's written, the last couple that he's written? You want to talk mm -hmm. about that a bit? And is there anything in the works right now? Well, yes. I'm working on a book right now, and I am being purposely very, cryptic about it, but I'm putting a lot of time into it. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's a novel. So oh, it's, it's going to be different. But um, it, it is it is funny because people will ask me about books. And the, the first book I wrote was in my 20s. I wrote a book on the history of the Arizona Right to Work Law, which I'm sure is on your coffee table at home. I made a lot of money on that one. But the, it, um, uh, I've had some subsequent books that have gotten some attention, and the ones, the most recent ones, well, let me just stress the one that I'm marketing the most right now, and 
because I had that one book recently called Random Thoughts, which is mm-hmm. more tied to things from the blog. But the, the one which is getting more attention now, and I see this with clients, and I even teach workshops on it, is um, called All I Said Was, What Every Supervisor, Employee, and Team Should Know to Avoid Insults, Lawsuits, and the Six O'Clock News. And, you know, I did that as a workshop before I wrote the book. Uh-huh. And the reason why was I've been called in at various times over the years to conduct investigations. And I would see situations where you know the person did not intend to offend anyone. The person just didn't know. They didn't know the ramifications of what was being said. And so this was kind of this book was the way this all I said was what was a way of saying these are some of the dangers of. But, you know, having said that, and this is a thing I stress in my workshops, is we also need to have people who are willing to give others the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Because we, all say, we all say dumb things. We all say cruel things. We say yeah. things that we wish we could take back immediately. And unless somebody does something extreme or maybe makes a habit of that, you want to cut them some slack. And just as you hope, they'll cut you some slack. And right now, we're in kind of a gotcha culture Mm -hmm. where if Mm -hmm. I can find out anything that somebody Mm -hmm. said, I'm going to go after them. That's not healthy. No, not at all. Really, it's scary. It it shows the part teams, and it's just not human. You know, we're we're dealing with human beings. (laughs) And it completely ignores the fact that people grow and people change and people want to grow and they want to change and mm-hmm. we've all done stupid things if if i was caught if if you know you know maybe there's a book of life i'm not sure but there's a lot of my life that i wouldn't want like shouted from the rooftops things i did things i've said and uh, that's true for everybody that's right everybody and and yeah there's a lot of gotcha going on looking at people's uh, college papers or what, whatever you want to say. They're 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 sixty years old now, and and, and there are people just going through all their term papers. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it is it is completely crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the those interactions between people, you know, they tie in with my my favorite topic of trust, and that mm-hmm. is if you're going to have a healthy team. You can't have people who are continually monitoring one another. Oh, man. You know, you really have to have a team where you recognize, hey, we've got human beings here where they don't always say the wisest thing, but we're, we're going to be introspective and check ourselves out on this mm-hmm. because it's, a, it, it's, it's an unhealthy habit that we've gotten into as a society in which we, we play gotcha and we, we try to, in essence, cancel people out. And, you know, you and I have talked before about the significance of people being complicated. Yeah. And, you know, you will have some people, and I used to see this when I handled discrimination issues for Phoenix. I would see some people who might not be the most diplomatic or even the nicest person, Mm -hmm. but they could also, they were also capable of kindness. They were also mm-hmm. capable of being very understanding at times. 
And, and yes. that, just a just a quick point. I think that's one thing we need to be very wary of. When we label people, we turn off our brains. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't need to think about this person anymore. I put a label on this person. And when we do that, we miss the complexity of people. I, yeah. I, I said something on LinkedIn the other day uh, that the whole thing is, is about toxic people. And uh, I think we're, I think we're using that a lot these days. Um, kind of identifying there are those that are like me and then there are toxic ones. And, and I said something like, you know, is this being fair that we're just giving a person that label toxic and, you know, toxic means you got to get the hell out of there because right. it's going to kill you. And is that really a, is that really a way we want to describe another human being? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. uh, yeah. So I would love if you would indulge me a little bit, Michael. Uh, I've got these five letters, five five letters behind me that spell magic, and mm -hmm. um, it's it's sort of a model that I'm using in some training that I'm doing to enhance and improve engagement organizations. And it's not my model. It it was a model uh, from a great outfit in uh, Utah named DecisionWise, and they've deputized me to do training uh, with this with this. Uh, model and mm -hmm. uh it's not about the word it's about the letters so magic is catchy kind of it's kind of cute and that but but it's really about what the words mean so i went would you mind if i just went through a couple of the of the letters and tell you what they stand for and then get your sense of what that might mean in the modern workplace and organizations that you help mm -hmm. so let's start with a autonomy what what what, what do you think about autonomy in the workplace well, I would want to have it carefully defined because mm -hmm. at one point you're going to be saying, how does it, are you talking about me as the individual? Are you talking about me as part of a member of a team? Mm -hmm. And I, I would assume it is a case of, okay, we're going to be looking at both because none of us are the lone ranger. When we're operating in organizations, you know, you may have all sorts of brilliant ideas, but you have to work with other people. And so to what extent can you kind of do your own thing? And then to what extent do you have to compromise in order to be a member of the team? Yeah, excellent point. Excellent. And, and that ties in with the issue of mavericks, because you'll see some people, they're kind of mavericks, and it can be nice to have mavericks up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying, okay, what is that point where you have to kind of say, okay, you surfaced your ideas, but this is what the decision is. How do you handle it now? Right. Hold your horses a little bit, right? Right. <laughs> uh, the, the, the way I learned autonomy through uh, Tracy Maylatt's book called Engagement Magic is that autonomy equals, or it includes accountability, responsibility, and freedom it's not just this put flowers in your hair and just go do what the heck you want but it, it also autonomy is addressing that issue of people shouldn't be micromanaged there, there has to be some freedom to get where you want to in any assignment you want to give them latitude to get there the way that uh, might be 
not the way you'd get there, but it, they're still getting there. Does that make sense? What yeah, about- The one thing I would just add with regard to micromanagement is that I sometimes advise clients, if you're gonna micromanage, try to make it more of a bungee jump sort of thing, where you might jump in to get some details and then you jump out and it should not be a standard practice. Ah, beautiful, wow, beautiful. I might put that as a, as a, as a teaser for this interview. Mm. What about the word connection? What is, when you hear that word about the workplace, mm -hmm. connection regarding people, maybe, the, what, what comes to mind about connection? That's, that word's coming up a lot these days. I bet you're seeing it. You know, I've seen that, and it's, it's one of those words which I'm saying, okay, what type of workplace are we talking about? What is the culture? What are the items that need to be achieved? In other words, I'd say you're going to have to have a, a rather precise definition depending upon the nature of the workplace. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about a daycare center versus a, a police station, then we have a different set of rules in terms of connection. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's you know, you're continually on any of these things as a consultant, you're continually saying, how do I make this as practical as possible? Yeah, and applicable to your yeah. your organization, the type yeah, that it is. And and we talked earlier about trust, and I think connection for me, that's a big that's a big part of being connected to other people. It's the trust mm -hmm. factor. Yeah. Uh, the last one I'm gonna uh, this this is this is gonna be interesting hearing your answer about meaning. M in the word magic stands for meaning. Oh, I, that's mega, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And often I, t I tell clients, one thing that you can know about your employees is that they hunger for meaning. Wow. Mm -hmm. They want to know that they make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to tap into that and show regardless of their job title, regardless of their pay scale, whatever, how they make a difference to the organization, mm -hmm. then you have reached one of the most powerful things on earth. But you know, we all want to, to have a, a sense of why we get up in the morning, why mm -hmm. we do certain things, why we're participating in organizations. And uh, that I think is just giant, major concept. Yeah, um, that when you first started uh, talking about meaning there, about the difference people make and all that, that comes up again also in the eyes impact that a leader's job is to help that person that they're leading, that they're partnering with to get things done is they help that individual see that the work they're doing, how it's impacting the whole. And, and make it make- That's a very interesting point because what I've noticed is that in dealing with organizations, say on customer service issues, mm -hmm. the biggest customer service issues for most organizations are with the internal customers, mm -hmm. not the external ones. Mm -hmm. you know, how much information are you sharing? How much support are you giving one another? How you know, do you yes. fight turf wars? Things like that. Yes. And so the, the impact is important. You have the impact on the customers but also look at the impact on one another. And in fact, weird item in, in surveying organizations on ethical issues, mm -hmm. one of the things that I've noticed is how many times P 
people will say that a major influence in them with regard to their ethical standards came from a supervisor or a coworker. And every time I hear that, I wonder if that supervisor or coworker knows the influence that he or she had on the other person. And you know, in many cases, they probably don't. Right, right. Hey, uh, I think we need to wrap it up because I promised you 50 minutes, 50 minutes and I lied. I lied again. I'm sorry. Well, Michael important. Wade, it's been so delightful to have this conversation with you. I hope it, I hope it covered kind of what you, it met your expectations a little bit about what you get to share. Again, I'm going to ask you if you would just kind of share what your two websites are so people can uh, go there and visit there and I'll wrap it up with, uh, I'm going to give my listeners uh, a quick and dirty about how I view your website called executpundit.com. Go ahead, Michael. What? Okay, well, the, the, the blog is executpundit.com and the business website is executpunditconsulting.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, between the, the two of those, people have a fairly good idea as to um, the approach that I take. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to thank you for inviting me. It has been a real pleasure. And you've been marvelous with all of your questions. And I really like the way you made this a very comfortable experience. I'm glad. I'm glad you're saying that, Michael. Thank you. By the way, execupundit.com, I became familiar with that probably 13 going on 14 years ago. And Michael, Michael and I have been virtual colleagues, and uh, he's been a virtual guru to me and so many others. So do visit his website because there's nothing that you, you, can't, you can't pin executpundit.com down because all I'll say is that, but you're going to learn so much. You're going to appreciate Michael Wade because, like so many others do. Uh, there's movie reviews, there's humor, there are books, uh, there are lists, there are, there's, I love every, every year Michael puts the, the Ten Commandments of having a great Thanksgiving with the people around the table, those kinds of things. He's marvelous. He's a Renaissance man. Michael, how many books do you read a year, do you think? Mm, I'd say um, close to 50. There you go. See, yeah. So you're a dumb guy. Yeah, you know, that's what kind of what I'm trying to say. No. So there, there you go. I mean, he he knows so much and he shares so much, and his insights are are inspiring and they get you to think. And uh, I'll be putting links to his books uh, below this uh, podcast too. Michael Wade, thank you again for the time you gave me and my listeners today, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. Someday I'd like to carry your bags. Oh, I'm not kidding. I've said that to you before. Carry your bags. <laughs> and and don't I owe you a beer? Oh yes. Yeah, we'll, it was we'll the, run that down sometime. Okay, good deal. <laughs> Take care, Michael. Be good. Bye. Bye.